Would it be distracting if I ate during the podcast? As long as it's not tuna fish. Oh, we're socially distanced. Never mind. Tap and step. Your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends at Dave Campbell's Texas football and texasfootball.com. I am the Tep Greg Tepper. And I am the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider. We love you very much. Uh, and you um, are somebody who has fine taste, I must say. That if you if you've if you've paid for this podcast, then you're like you you are a you are a, a man or woman of discerning taste. Yes, and uh, we appreciate your good taste because your good taste puts food in our tummies. Yes, very much so. So we very much appreciate it. This is your week two preview edition with a little bit of week one wrap up uh, sprinkled in there as well. We've got a lot to get to uh, on this episode of Tap and Step. Um, Make sure you tell your friends to become Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insiders if they they want this kind of pithy commentary uh, Mm -hmm. like you're Mm -hmm. going to get here. But Matthew, we will start as we always do. With your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. Let's see if I can amaze you two weeks in a row. I doubt it, but let's see. It's a simple question, Matt. This this one is a lot less convoluted. Matt Stepp, who's the highest scoring 11-man Texas high school football team right now? Uh, is it Brady? The Bulldogs? Gosh dang it. Yes, it is. I can't Boom, believe two it. in a row. I can't believe you got that right. I pulled out the guns for that one. Yes, Brady... Brady uh, does a. They, they dropped an eighty-one burger on poor San Angelo TLC. Yeah, it's gonna be a tough year for TLC. They, I think they were like zero and ten last year, and they moved up to Division One. That's I uh, believe that's correct. <laughs> that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Uh, Eighty eighty-one points um, is the highest that anybody uh, did in Week One. We did have seven teams crack seventy points. Uh, Canadian scored seventy-seven. China Spring, behind a huge day from Emmanuel Abdallah, dropped seventy-four. Uh, Lindsay, uh, in, in in ahead of the Kraut Bowl, uh, they dropped seventy-one. And then and then so and then there's okay. Post dropped seventy. Not necessarily surprising. I think we could see you know Post is a post play for a title last year. Blah blah. blah. Emory Rain scored seventy points. Uh, and that's then, a surprise. And then maybe to me. The biggest surprise of them all, SNS consolidated. The Rams. The, the well, ooh, you know what? I'm seeing multiple different things. See, I'm seeing 56 nothing over Tom Bean, but then our site has, um, let's see, Tom Bean SNS. Hold on. Uh, I'm, I'm doing score? a Twitter search myself as well. What was the final score? Um, we're seeing some. We're seeing uh, no. They're saying 56. Oh no! Fifty-six, nothing. So, so uh, I, I retract that. SNS Consolidated only score fifty-six. Still remarkable for SNS Consolidated, a program that has, has has struggled recently. Big win for them. I don't know where they got seventy from, but anyway, there it is. Brady scored eighty-one. Yeah, Emory Reigns. How about Emory Reigns? That's, uh, that's heady stuff from Randy Barnes' squad. It's a big seventy points is nothing to turn your nose up at. They uh. They dropped. Uh, they they went seventy to twenty over Farmersville. My goodness, do we have a box score on this? Let's see. 
jumped out 28-14 at half time or in the first quarter. They're up 42-14 at half. What kind of numbers we got rocking here, Reigns? Um, ooh, they ran for 615 yards. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a good day. That's a good day. You're, you're listening to live coverage of Steph and I looking over some some uh, box scores from games that we didn't pay any attention to over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mason Songer ran for 201. Luke Shepard ran for 154. Uh, they were in, they averaged 12.8 yards per carry in a 70 to 20 romp over Farmersville. So anyway, your Texas high school, a fun fact of the week, Brady, the highest scoring team in the state. And we can only assume yes. that that's going to continue forever. They're just going to average. Uh, yeah, Brady, gonna, yeah. I mean, Shea Easterwood squad. Yeah. They're going to average 80 they're, they're points a average game. 81 points a game. <laughs> and they're going to go, they're going to win a state title. Yeah. I mean, it's just I, what's going to happen this year. I'm into it. All right. Matthew, let's do a little bit of week one cleanup, a little bit of week one um, uh, eaten out of the refrigerator. Um, uh, okay, I think it, I think we have to address the elephant in the room, which is I think, unfortunately, one of the big storylines to come out of week one, we're all happy to be out there. We're all happy to, to, be, to, to be watching football and stuff like that. Dude, on social media, and I wasn't at games, but it's social me on social media and from hearing from people at games, some of the, some teams, and I want to be very clear, only some teams, it seemed like were thinking that the uh, the coronavirus um, guidelines set forth from the UIL seem like nice suggestions as opposed to edicts. Yeah, and you know, it's just it's gonna vary just like the school districts vary. You know, some schools are going to take the take the UIL guidelines and follow them 100% to a T. Others are going to interpret it as recommendations. And and I understand that in some rural counties, even Governor Abbott has, you know, said if their if their positivity rate or their number of cases is under a certain amount, masks aren't required and, and, and that type of thing. So you know, it's going to vary um, by by locale. But but I think in general. You know, what we'd like to see in the media, because we want high school football to be played, is we would like to see the schools follow the guidelines um, as much as possible. And I understand that that the small schools, small schools have challenges from a staffing standpoint and from a management standpoint. Let's let's be honest. You know, if if the the assistant principal, I don't know if the assistant principal, it's in their job description to to tell a fellow adult to uh, to wear a mask at a football game because they're around other people. You know, it's tough to ask those people. And sometimes it's not even the assistant principal. I mean, if you look at a ticket taker, it's like, a, you know, it could be the cafeteria lady who's a mm-hmm. ticket taker at some of these small towns. You know, she's not, you know, it's not her job description, nor would anyone expect her to, to make, you know, Joe, you know, Joe, who's, who's a plumber in town to put, to make him put his damn mask on. I mean, it's just not, that's just a tough thing to ask of the cafeteria lady or whoever's doing the ticket taking. I I think what needs to happen is there just needs to be more, you know, individual responsibility and individual accountability uh, for your, for your fellow human beings and, and understand that, that we're in a unique health time and that no one wants to wear a mask. We all are hot. It's miserable. I, I get it. But, you know, let's just think of, you know, let, let's wear a mask so we can have high school football. Let's let's try to follow the protocols as best we can so we can have high school football for all 21 weeks of the season. Yeah, because the thing that I heard from and I, I'm sure your phone was blown up too from six, eight and five, eight coaches who were like who were suddenly like, man, is this going to cost us our season? Like, are we going to be are we not going to thanks, dude? Cool, cool muffler. 
Um, the <laughs> like, are they gonna like are 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 they gonna cost us our season because like we're gonna have outbreaks and then UIL is gonna decide they can't play? And I don't think it's necessarily that. I mean, I understand their concern. Like, I yeah. do. I don't think it's necessarily to that point where the UIL would look around and just pull the plug. Um, I, yeah. But, I, I, Let's, you know, I you gotta remember that the six A and five A coaches are, are generally located in, in it's it's the dichotomy of our state in general, yeah. in general, right? The, the 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 schools that are playing, even you know, the four A's and below schools who are in, located in metro areas aren't playing right now because of their school district or county restrictions. So the schools that are playing aren't under any type of restrictions. Where the five A and six A coaches are much more accustomed. Number one, they're they're generally located in higher outbreak areas. And they're generally they're, they've been generally under stricter stricter guidelines and restrictions from their either their school district or local their local county county authorities. Whereas right. the smaller schools, by nature, haven't you know the, the the outbreaks in most of the small towns have been fewer and far between. So for them, it's not as pressing of an issue as it is in the five A and six A schools. I think what's going to happen is when the five A and six A start, you're going to see much more. You know, they're going to follow the guidelines much closer because they're in quote unquote higher risk areas, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think the optics look good. And, and like I tweeted, I said, you know, let's, you know, all summer we've seen, you know, coaches get on, get on Twitter and talk about how they wanted to be able to work out because they followed guidelines, uh, whereas third parties didn't follow the guidelines or weren't, weren't bound to any guidelines that were set up by the state or the government. Whereas there's, they were, they were following protocols. They were following guidelines. Um, my suggestion would be is for those coaches and administrators at those schools who didn't follow the guidelines to a T last week or, or flaunted them in, in, in some cases um, to, to make sure you retain your credibility by following mm-hmm. the guidelines and, 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 and saying, okay, we, you know, we, we complained about third parties not following guidelines when they were working out with the kids last last during the summer, you know, summer baseball, AAU basketball, that kind of thing. They didn't follow any guidelines. Well, then don't you turn around and just say, well, they're just recommendations from the UIL. It's, it's just a recommendation. It's not a mandate uh, from the UIL. Try to follow the guideline as best you can. And I understand that managing the bleachers and man- managing adults in the stands is a lot tougher. But, you know, do the best you can with it. You know, stress it, you know. Do do what you can. Make sure you're only selling fifty percent of the tickets. Don't don't sell fifty percent of the tickets and then give away another thirty percent of the right. tickets where you're almost at a hundred percent. Because even you know you know even even the capacity standpoint, it's pretty easy to look in the stands and see if some if fifty percent of the stands are full or not. So yeah, we're we're, and we're actually not terrible at estimating crowds. <laughs> yeah, that's only a, at title games. That's what we do. Yeah, uh, but the, you know, the, I, I will say, and, and I think it's worth mentioning that that I think most of the schools were doing it right. I think that's yeah. worth, like we got it. We're, we're we're what we're talking about are a are an annoying minority. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's 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 a group of schools that were that that were flaunting the rules that were not or the guidelines rather. That is to me that like those are the ones that 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 stick out, and you know it. But we all have to be in this together. That's the thing is that we all have to be in this together. And um, and and for the sake of things, I hope that I hope that things will will get better from you know from that perspective. Uh, I from what I understand, and you had kind of tipped me off to this. From what I understand, there are some displeased people in Austin at the UIL about this kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think they were super happy with some some schools, you know. And I think they'll yeah. address it privately, and hopefully, 
move forward, you know. And for me personally, I've, I think we talked, me and you talked about this on Saturday. I think after this week, you know, we're just going to try to focus, you know, this week, yeah. you know, co- coronavirus, COVID protocols and restrictions kind of hung over everything because it was the first week. Um, I think, you know, for me going forward, like even my coaches interviews and I'm doing, I'm not really going to ask about it anymore unless I interview a coach whose team maybe got canceled because of that, that reflects the on-field performance. But I, I want to try to focus now on the kids and the community's accomplishments mm-hmm. uh, going forward. And we're just going to try to, you know, like I said, you know, preseason, you know, we're not guaranteed a 21 week season this year at all. So I'm just going to, you know, personally, really try to take every week and enjoy it for what it is and, and just take it a week at a time. So speaking of the on-field, um, you were uh, a busy boy. You went out to Monahans in Fredericksburg out there in mm-hmm. San Angelo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, overreaction. Then, Monahans is winning state. Hey, Fredericksburg's winning state this year. That's Fredericksburg's the overreaction. Yeah. First, the greatest team of all time. Yeah. Um, um, and then you went to Lexington and West. And yes. it's a good ball it, game. It, a good ball game. And it feels like the stock that we bought in Lexington feels like that's that's a pretty sound investment right now. You know, I think both teams made pretty because, you know, we, we we talked about West and, you know, all the talent they had coming, all the all the experience they had coming back. I think they had they bring back nineteen starters from last year, mm-hmm. and they looked like a veteran ball club. They definitely had the size advantage on Lexington, uh, and they jumped out to a fourteen nothing lead because Lexington was moving the ball up and down the field between the twenties, but then they couldn't couldn't do anything in the red zone. Uh, Lexington made a really nice adjustment. They moved their they had Jared Kerr, who's their stud, picked up offers from A and M and Oklahoma this week. They moved him from running back out to receiver. And that really opened up the middle for Lexington's offense because West was paying a lot of attention. They were rolling a safety over onto Kerr, and it really opened the middle up. And I think West's defense and the heat wilted in the fourth quarter, and Lexington outscored West 25 to nothing in the fourth quarter to get the win. So I, I think what we saw was a, was a really a top 10 type 3A Division II team getting a win over what I think is a, probably a top 30 3A division, top 30, top 40, 3A yeah. division, one team. Two really good teams you're going at. So that was a good ball game Friday. And then Saturday, I went down to Carn City and uh, watched Marion uh, score with 17 seconds left to beat Carn City 14 to 13 in a, in a really uh, exciting uh, defensive struggle down in Carnes uh, County. Yes, uh, you did get together. By the way, you were spot on. West, the computer rankings, even after that loss, um, the computer rankings moved West up to number 29 in three mm-hmm. division one. So that is, uh, that's pretty spot on. Yeah. It's, um, uh, you know, w- from my perspective, sitting there watching the games, watching the, the games come in on, on, on Fox, um, I thought you had a number of teams that came out and, and said, if you want some, come get some, I thought Brock, uh, what they did to Bushland, is is a is a message <laughs> borderline criminal i mean it was it got uh, pretty it, ugly quick and and i get i understand and i talked about this a lot but like i understand that bushland's going to be a bushland's a lot less of a finished product than brock is right now bushland's for got sure for sure a lot of pieces to and that game is almost certainly closer if it's played six weeks from now i want to be very Absolutely. clear that i'm not Absolutely. i'm not trying to i'm not trying to 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 say that that bushland is is a finished product right now but what brock did to them was impose their will um and that was awful impressive i thought that was i thought they were really impressive uh i maybe this just flies under the radar too much but and maybe because it's, it's small school, dude. Spearman over Stratford, and in the way that they did it, I mean, yeah, Spearman took Stratford to the woodshed. 
Yes, Spearman. You know they're a bigger school, but I, you know Stratford's been a power now. I did find out that uh, Strat, one of Stratford's better players last year who was returning, I think mm-hmm. his dad's a coach, and he got a he's coaching in Oklahoma now. So he uh, oh. uh, I can't remember, can't remember his name now, but it, but he's he's kind of the, he's their leading returning rusher, and you know at a place like Stratford, we don't have big numbers that that can really hurt them. So going to be interested to see what Stratford does this week. I'm going to count that to them being a little undermanned against a lot bigger school and a bigger school who we think has a chance to be, but the Spearman, yeah. you know, the problem Spearman's is a really good ball club and they could finish fourth in their district, you yeah. know, or maybe even fifth. I mean, you got Canadian Childress, obviously really underrated Friona and then a Tulia team that we think is going to be good. And there's that, that district's five deep and which is really yeah. rare in three eighty two. Uh, I thought Shiner's win over Hallettsville and in the, again, in, in, in like they just, like they didn't blow them out, and because they're two A division, they're punching up two divisions. You know what I mean? But so they were never gonna blow them out. But like they hung physically with a a team that is known for being physical that is also much bigger than they are. Yeah, Shiner's got a really unique unique group of kids right now. I mean, I don't know if you saw the video of 285 pound Doug Brooks catching a screen pass (laughs) and just rumbling down. (laughs) Can you imagine that? That's, that's, that's like, um, you know, a little bit like Hamlin's Austin Lozano last year, but, but Brooks Mm -hmm. is probably a little bit better athlete. Just him barreling down the sidelines, moving, moving at a high rate of speed. That is, that is not the kind of freight train I want to get get in front of. So, no, that that was they were awful impressive. Uh, I thought I thought Argyle over Decatur was um, yeah like okay. Well, um, spoiler alert. We'll talk about Argyle coming up here a little bit more. Uh, and then and then uh, Wall Wall and 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 we had heard rumors and rumblings earlier in the in the week that Eastland was going to be without. Uh, I think it ended up being eleven players, including Baron Morton. Yeah, eight starters and, and eleven total players. Yeah, and and look, I, I understand that if you take the quarterback, the Texas Tech committed quarterback off of a three A team, they're going to be noticeably different. I understand that, but man, Wall looked the part. Yeah, they Wall looked, looked like great. Wall. They, they, we had some questions about Wall just from from graduation losses, and they looked they looked like a vintage Wall team early on. So uh, you know, I think. I think you're looking at a, you know, once again, probably a wall Brock, you know, those are the two teams that kind of serve mm-hmm. notice in three, a division one region one. And I think, uh, you know, a- after one week, they, they didn't do anything to change our, our opinions of how good those teams are. Do you think Malakoff's just done scheduling Grandview? Man, they have to be so frustrated. They, they, oh they just, every time they play Grandview, they are right on the cusp of getting it done. And they just can't, <laughs> can't follow through. But I'll tell you what, I, I had some questions about Malakoff and I thought they answered those questions. I think Malakoff mm-hmm. is a, is once you know they're just you just add Malakoff to that that cavalcade of Region Two teams in three AD one, where it's just going to be that that playoff bracket when it gets around to November is just going to be a bloodbath. So that's a that's a good anything else on week uh, week one you got? Uh, I you know I was really uh, impressed with Glen Rose and Dumas in four A. Uh, mm-hmm. Dumas just destroyed Seminole. Uh, I think Dumas is in midseason form. Glen Rose the big win over Springtown. Uh, that's a four AD two over four AD one semifinalist. And you know, you look at four A Region One Division One right now, and you know, with Springtown and Decatur both both taking taking it on the chin last week, Dumas kind of uh, separates yeah. himself at least early on from the pack with with the big win. How about uh, how about Comanche getting past Mason first first time in school history? Comanche's beaten Mason. Really nice win for uh, Stephen Hermsmeyer's squad. 
14 nothing. That's a that's yeah. a that's an old school. That's that's beating Mason at their own game too. That's uh yes. that's very impressive. Yeah. Uh and then also I would be remiss if I didn't mention that it was a wild ass week in the six man ranks. McLean goes down, they get 45. Uh, Klondike's a decent team, but like that was surprising. Uh, Westbrook beat Molly County, which is a pretty big stunner. Eden beat Blackwell, which is a pretty pretty surprising uh, loss. Anyway, six men, it was it was crazy. So there's there's a week one uh, kind of recap. We're now on to week two, still uh, four a.m. below uh, for the next couple of weeks. Uh, but we are going to start with our draft, where we are going to go back and forth selecting games that we are most excited about in week two of the Texas high school football season. Uh, once a game is picked, it is off the board, and then we will have we'll finish it all out with our hipster game of the week. We did the coin flip before the show. I won the coin flip, and uh, that makes things very easy for me because I I don't know about you. I think there is a un like undisputed game of the week. I think there's two that jump off the page for me. There's okay. two. So, well, I'm going to take at least one of them because we're going to go 7:30 p.m. Friday night at Hawk Stadium in Texarkana, as the Argyle Eagles, fresh off of a molly whopping of Decatur, will get in the bus and take a three-hour trip east to Pleasant Grove to take on the defending 4A Division II state champs in a game that ha- is just dripping with intrigue. Um, Pleasant Grove went and, and, and if you didn't hear about what Pleasant Grove did over the weekend, like, I think that's probably, that's just the nature of playing an out of state team. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, um, they sure. played, they played Nashville, Arkansas, which is, uh, that's a <laughs> Nashville, Arkansas. That's like a, uh, a short circuit for me. Uh, <laughs> like, I, you know, like, I, I, it, they're a good team. That's a really uh, strong team in the Arkansas ranks. So it's a good, you know, and I strong think win for Pleasant I think they're Grove. known as the Scrappers. Yes, it's an elite mascot name as well. That's that's very good. Well, they beat them pretty soundly, and yes. it was a it was a it was a coming out party for uh, Jalen Woodside, the quarterback, the new quarterback for for PG. He looked good. They ran the ball really well with Nick Martin. Uh, the defense looked solid, stuff like that. But if you're looking for statements made in Week One. Argyle and specifically like CJ Rogers, the new quarterback. Um, I, I watched a, a decent amount of the highlights from this game and yeah, that kid's the like real was, deal. Yeah. It didn't sound like it was close. I mean, it's not like Argyle just, mm, just came out and no. just punched Decatur in the mouth, but this, this week they're, they're walking into, you know, what I think is a pretty hostile environment in Texarkana. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pleasant Grove does a really nice job. They'll, you know, obviously, you know, they'll have the fans spaced out, but there'll be a good crowd there because, you know, they also can put fans on the hill. They have a hill that mm-hmm. kind of is encircles a stadium where people can sit on if they can't sit in the bleachers. So there'll be a big crowd there. And they're going up against a Pleasant Grove team that even though they don't have the LSU commit Marcus Burris, they've still got, you know, that defense with, you know, three, four Division One players on it. Yeah. I mean, that's um, the thing is, is I am for all we're going to talk about what the Argyle defense does against PG's offense and how the PG offense looks about that. Like, I am really, really interested in the Argyle offensive line against the PG defensive line. Yeah, That's going to be a big time elite matchup. That's a that's 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 big that's big boy stuff that's yeah. big boy stuff that, that's the um, kind of matchup you'd see in a big 6a game with the kind of oh. the kind of talent those two teams have on on those side on on their respective lines and and that's what's going to be really interesting is you know it's landon jackson and all those guys going up against jack tucker and this big this big argyle offensive line that that may lay claim to having like one of the best offensive lines in the state pound for pound i mean it's really really solid um 
a lot of intrigue. I thought Argyle getting Tito Bice back from injury from last year is a really underrated part of their their squad this yeah, year. He's, he's averaging 74 yards a carry. He had one carry. He, he carried the ball the first play of the game, scored a 74-yard touchdown run, didn't carry the ball mm-hmm. the rest of the game. That's a, that's a solid average. Neato, 74 yeah. yards. I, I, yeah. bet, I bet it'll come down. I'm going to be honest. I like Tito Vice a lot. I do not think he's going to mm. average 74 yards a carry for the season. Well, you hate, you um, hate, it sounds like you hate Tito Vice. That's what it sounds here's, like to me. Here's the one thing I'll say Argyle is a team that tends to play really well early in the season. Yep. They tend to be a team that uh, they are, they come out of the gates hot. Yeah. They come out of the gates hot. PG PG doesn't start slow, but like they're not an unbeatable like juggernaut in week three or week two. Especially this year because they're so young on the offensive side of the ball. That's exactly right. And so that's why for me, I give the slight edge, even though it's on the road, I give the slight edge to Argyle here simply because uh, traditionally, historically, they have been, uh, they have come out of the gates hotter. And mm-hmm. with all the questions you have on PG, especially on the, the offensive side, now, now Nick Martin's a, a, a heck of a running back, uh, and and that offense is a chore to deal with. It's just not fun uh, to game plan against that offense. Uh, that said, I I, I I lean a little bit towards Argyle in this one simply because I think that they're a little bit probably more of a finished product right now. I agree. I, that's kind of the, what I talked about. In my preview was, and and, and I, we don't really know how how good Pleasant. You know, uh, Jalen Woodside is the quarterback for Pleasant Grove. He was on, played on defense last year. If memory serves correctly, um, you know what's what, what what's made Pleasant Grove's offense so good in the past is their ability to throw the ball. Argyle mm-hmm. is going to stack the box. They run that kind of modified ten one defense. They're going to put a lot of guys in the box. They're going to throw numbers in the box, and they're going to. I think they're going to dare Pleasant Grove to to throw the ball and beat them. And, and right now, week two. With things, you know, Pleasant Grove graduated a three-year starter at quarterback. They, you know, I don't know if that passing game is going to be as sharp as sharp as it usually is. So I think Argyle is going to be able to contain the Pleasant Grove offense just a little bit. So that's okay. that's. I think we kind of have the same read on this game. Yeah. So that's my that's my first pick uh, for for week two. What is your number one pick? I'm going to go for the Battle of North Waco as a couple of mm-hmm. uh, old rivals who aren't in the same district anymore. Um, but we're in the same district for a long time. These schools aren't far, far, far apart from each other. This is a big rivalry on the north side of town. It's a Waco Conley visiting Waco La Vega um, in a really big game in Central Texas. A couple of top 10 teams in a 4A. Well, La Vega's in 481 and Conley's in 482. And I'll tell you, man, that Don Hyde just scheduling another Patsy this week. You know, last yeah. week, he, you know, Port Lavaca <laughs> Calhoun. You know, this week it's Conley. Next week it's Corpus Christi, Cal Allen, just a just a schedule full of patties. just a bunch of cupcakes. Yeah, just he's running a cupcake factory down there. Telling you, um, <laughs> you know this game. You know, I think Connolly had one of the more impressive wins of, of of the week last week when they they hand, they, they put it on Sunnyvale last week, forty six mm-hmm. to twenty seven. You know, Trey Wisner, Kavian Gaither combined for nearly 500 yards rushing between the two of them. Six touchdowns. Wisner had 266 on 14 carries, which uh, my math says it's a lot of yards per carry. Um, And, you know, they, they, you know, they, they have a new quarterback, the uh, the kid that transferred in from Waco Midway, who's actually committed to Idaho. uh, Tyler Webb didn't really have to do anything last week because they ran the ball so well. Well, yeah. I, I think this week he's going to need to throw the ball because that La Vega defense, e- even though the, um, the the offense uh, was a little sloppy last week in the Calhoun game, they held that Calhoun offense to seven points last week. So I would say the defense is uh, in midseason form already. 
And the, the way you beat the La Vega defense is you got to have some balance. If you're one dimensional, Don Hyde and that scheme that they run at La Vega and those athletes and that, that talent they have, they're, they're too good to be beat by one dimensional offenses. You've got to be mm-hmm. balanced. And, you know, that's, that's how Carthage beat La Vega last year. They were very balanced. They, they did it run pass mix. But teams that just do one thing struggle against La Vega. And that's where the, the big question marks for Connolly going against that La Vega defense are. Um, La Vega's offense, a little sloppy. They, they only scored 20 points last week. I know they had a couple of touchdowns called back due to penalties. I think you'll start to slowly see that get cleaned up as the season progresses. Um, so I'm not too concerned about La Vega. You know, like we talked about Argyle typically being a fast start starting team and, and usually is closer to a finished product early on. La Vega is not a close to a finished product early, early in the season. Uh, they'll kind of, you know, get, they'll start to get a little bit better each and every week. So I think you'll see a little bit sharper performance from La Vega. Um, the, the, the X factor in this game is just the emotions. This is a rivalry game. All these kids know each other, these two communities. This is an important game to both communities, even though they're not in the same district, there's a lot of bragging rights on the line. These guys shop at the same HEB on 35 there and right there off, (laughs) off the highway. They see each other at the grocery store. You know, the Conley people are in their are in their royal blue, the La Vega people are in their navy and gold. I mean, this, this is a big game for the community. And so I think keeping emotions in check and keeping keeping things under control is going to be key. You don't want to get any silly personal fouls and that kind of thing. Um, Connolly's a team that, that, that has gotten better each and every year, but La Vega's got the big game experience. And La Vega typically has excelled in these big game atmospheres, whereas Connolly, they really haven't, you know, even when they have had these big games, they haven't had a lot of success in them in the playoffs. So uh, I give the edge to La Vega because of that big game track record. Yeah, and 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 my what I'm really fascinated about this game with is you know Connolly is is Connolly signed four FBS kids off of last year's team. Like they're like they lost four college like major college football players, and they're just still trying along. Like they like you know they they are still really really talented and really really dangerous. And for La Vega, this is in like in a lot of ways, this is like week one. And what I mean by that is last week was such a Chinese fire drill. You know what I mean? Like just losing your game on Monday and getting it scheduled. And by the way, we don't have any we don't have any film on this team and we're just trying to figure it out. Just go out there and play, Uh, you know, like all these things. It was such a Chinese fire drill this week. Knock on wood will be a lot more boring. It'll be a, a lot, lot more, more normal. A lot more exactly. normal. Exactly. Yeah. A lot more like thankfully normal. And so like in a lot like this is going to be I think a lot more of a reflection of the team we're going to see in La Vega than last week simply because last week was just like uh let's just go play. Let's just fine. Let's go out. Go out there. Fine. Fine. Like we'll get out mm-hmm. there. This is a lot more uh what what how they prepare this week is going to be a lot more indicative of how they're going to prepare week in and week out. Yeah, they're gonna have and, a game plan. They're they're gonna they're gonna be able to scheme a little bit for con. There's game film. You know, mm-hmm. we, they played Calhoun. Cal, La Vega played Calhoun last week. Calhoun had had a scrimmage. They hadn't done anything, so there's no film. So they they're actually gonna, yeah, they're gonna have game film and that kind of thing. So uh, you know, I think that's that's right. uh, gonna be a big help for La Vega in this one. All right, that's a good pick. Uh, you take La Vega and Connolly. I am going to go to Jones County. To Jones County, I'm going to go to beautiful Forest Field, where there should only be, I'm doing some quick math, 1,106 fans allowed in Forest Field in beautiful Hawley, Texas, as the Hawley Bearcats 
welcome in the Hamlin Pied Pipers in a matchup of ranked 2A squads. And two teams that... It, it this is this is a, a this is a, a good question of how much you value experience because Hamlin's got it like Hamlin of course they ran to a state championship game last year and a mm-hmm. lot of those principal figures are still here mm-hmm. Braden Warner's back Ethan Byerly's back Dylan Bell is back a lot of these guys are back from a team that played 16 games last year Yes. And 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 came, you know, came. By the way, gave Mart their best game of the year. They pushed you Mart. Know? Yeah, other than Mart's loss to Refurio, that was as close as anyone yeah. played Mart all year. Exactly right. And so, um, they were they they are an experienced team. They have the undisputed experience factor. And then you have Holly, who is throwing a bunch of 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 children out there. Like <laughs> this is a really young team. Like. The skills, yes, they are very under the skill spots. Yes, really, yeah. At the skill spots, uh, they've got sophomore running back in Austin Crumpton who went nuts last week against Roscoe. They got a junior receiver in Aeneas Segura who's in there. Their their best defender, arguably, is a sophomore defensive back named Will Scott. It is sophomores, junior sophomores. They got some freshmen out there, which is not unlike a two A team, but like they they are really really young at the skill spots. Now, Mm -hmm. last week that worked out really well. And they just they jumped all over Roscoe, and it was over before it started. Basically, forty-two seven at halftime. Hamlin played Stanford, and, and, and look, Stanford's not terrible. Stanford's Stanford's a pretty solid squad, um, but you know they're 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 fine. They're middle of the pack in two A Division one. But this game was seven nothing at half, and and Hamlin was just kind of fiddling around and having yeah. some trouble getting in gear. Now they, they got in gear and they won. I mean, they, look, they won, uh, what? 34, nothing. Uh, it was the final, like yeah, they got it going in the second half. They got it going. I don't want, I don't want to sit here and, and bury a uh, bury Hamlin, especially cause I'm picking him in the game, but Chocolate up to week one, right? Chocolate up to week yeah, one. A lot of slow starts. I'll just say this. I wonder if Holly is one of those teams. that's too young to know that they're not supposed to hang with a team like this. And just go out there and and just and just let it rip in front of a home crowd and go and 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 that's that to me could be really interesting because I do think look I do think that Holly's got a little something I think they got a little something and when you take a look at region look region one's loaded post Cisco who looked great last week San Saba Holly uh, New Deal who we're going to see the you know see they got a big game this week Panhandle it, it, region one's loaded but if 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 Holly comes out here and they beat Hamlin. Then it's like, all right, it's time to start talking yeah. about them in in that kind, in those types of terms. I think Holly's going to beat Hamlin this week. Ooh, yeah, I I I think Holly up front, that offensive line, especially, even though they lost Colton Marshall, I think that offensive line is one of the best, maybe the best in two A Division one, and hmm. I think they're going to have a big edge in this game on the Hamlin defensive line. And I I just wonder if Holly's going to wear Hamlin down in the fourth quarter. I, you know, this game hmm. was a pick'em game. It was a I think it was really close last year. Hamlin won it, but I think it was really close. And mm-hmm. Hamlin won late, but I, I, you know, Hamlin's got the experience, the skill spots with quarterback Braden Warner, but I think Hawley's size in the trenches is going to give Hamlin some trouble, and they don't have a guy like Austin Lozano who who yeah. can deal with that up front. So I, I kind of like Hawley in a in a, in a kind of nip and tuck pick him kind of game this you know this week. I like it. I yeah. like it. Okay, what is your second pick? I'm going up to the Texas Panhandle. It's a beautiful Canadian. 
as the <gasps> Iowa Park Hawks at 1-0 visit Canadian in a really fascinating 4A versus 3A matchup. Dude, this game, this game is right on the cusp of the radar. Like it's so I think it's one of those games that I think people are going to look at from a name name recognition perspective and be like, "Uh, eh, well, you know, could be interesting." But the more you dive into it, this game's super interesting. Yes, I mean, because what makes it interesting is the matchup after last week's results is the matchup of the Iowa Park defense, which pitched a shutout against Holiday last week. 28 nothing held Holiday to 111 yards of offense, seven total first downs. They're having to go up against a Canadian offense that, you know, 56 points in the first half, and they slowed down <laughs> to, you know, 21. They scored 77, granted, against a 2A Division I opponent in Stinnett, West Texas, but a good 2A Division I opponent yeah. in Stinnett, West Texas. Um, Canadian is known for their up-tempo, fast-paced offense, and uh, they got it done. Josh Colwell in his first start, uh, six, only threw for six touchdowns uh, in the first varsity start. Looked pretty no. good. Um, it's, it's it's always sad when guys underachieve in their yeah, first start. You know, you know? Hayes Hustedler. You know, he he had a good game at the running back, and then they got a wide receiver. This kid's name was Twister Kelton. That's Hell a heck, yeah. that's a great name for a wide receiver. He had six catches for 190 yards, two touchdowns. Basically, what I'm saying is Canadian's offense was firing on all cylinders last week. So you've got you know this big time matchup of Iowa Park's defense and the Canadian offense. Which one, which which one's going to come out on top? I, I think what's key is is, is Iowa Park's going to have to try to keep the ball away from Canadian. They cannot expose their defense. Um, to that Canadian offense too much because they're, they're, they don't want to get into a shootout. I, this is this is going to be a clash of styles. Iowa Park's going to want to keep the game low scoring, keep it close to the vest, and hope that their depth, being a bigger school, because it's a 4A D2 against a 3A D2, hope their depth can kind of win out in the end late in the ballgame. Where I think Canadian at home, big crowd, they're going to want to run out to a big lead early, put Iowa Park behind the eight ball a little bit, and make Iowa Park get out of their comfort zone. Yeah, because Iowa Park, uh, and look again, it's 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 early. Where everything we say is based on one week of results. Okay, so so grain of salt. But the one thing I'll say is that Iowa Park, just the way that they tend to play, they are not built to chase. <laughs> They're not built to go score for score. They want to grind it out. They want to play from ahead. Like they want to play. They want to play that that style of game where they get up by fourteen points and then you score and then we'll score, but then we'll stop you and 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 just kind of like like make you start questioning yourself like that's the kind of style that they play um you know we we had aubrey sims the coach at, at iowa park on the show uh this past week and, and and you know one of the things that we asked him was about you know he he had he was he was he knew his defense was gonna be good he was like our defense is gonna be good offense we're gonna find out um this is a big test for that defense because that defense has got to hold them in this game uh, early and, and kind of weather this early storm from Canadian. And if they do that, like game on and yeah. this game's going to be super interesting. I agree. Um, I think, I think that's an excellent pick. Okay. I am going to go to, where is this? I'm going to, I'm, I'm in the counties all of a sudden. Um, um, I'm going to go to Atascosa County. Oh. Okay. All right. All do, you know, right. Do, do you know where I'm going? Uh, Referio George West. Try again. That's a good one, though. Okay, that's my next game. So, <laughs> okay, good. Spoiler. We're, uh, we're getting we're getting done. Is that like uh, that's that's uh, San Antonio area? I know. I am going to beautiful Jordanton, Texas. Ah, where the Jordanton Indians 
will host the 0-1 Corpus Christi Cal-Al and Wildcats. And let's take a moment and talk about Cal-Allen, okay? Um, because I think a lot of people, and this was weird, but but like I think like I started seeing like sirens on Twitter and being like, Cal-Allen just lost at home to a private school team. Yeah, pump the brakes. What? And and there's a couple of things. There's a, a number of mitigating circumstances. And I'm not here to say, look, Phil Danaher is not going to give a, a, a rat's behind what I say about his team. But I'm going to offer them a couple of explanations. One, Cornerstone ain't a, a, your standard run-of-the-mill San Antonio private school. No, they're in essence. I mean, they have, you know, people in San Antonio basically are calling them like a, almost a pseudo 210 all-star team. They're 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 an all star team. I mean, they're they're a they're a a, a fireworks factory. They're a prospect factory, is what they yes. are. Yes, like they are. That's that's what they do. I mean, Lucas Coley is their quarterback, and he's uh, was he at Judson? Is that right? He, he was at. They have several ex Judson players. Yeah, and and this is like they. So on one hand, like Cornerstone's a really really talented private school team. That's that's step one. Step two is that. Cal Allen was coming off of, was playing a game, I think, five days after one of their players was murdered. Yes. Like, like uh, uh, Gabe Cooley was, 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 uh, was slain. And it's like, how do you come back from that? Like, there's, beyond the fact that it's week one and all this fun stuff. All of that is to say, I don't necessarily, I'm not, I'm not burying Cal Allen here. I think that, and, I think yeah. there's a lot of reasons that they were, that they were, you know, that they lost that game. So if you were, if you're throwing up the siren of Cal Allen lost to a private school team, I would pump the brakes. Now, yeah. and we kept them in our top 10. They lost and we still kept them in the top 10 yeah. because that's what, you know, we think that hot, we think Cornerstone's a good team. And there's yeah. no shame in losing. And also we, we took into account uh, some of the mitigating circumstances that, that, Phil Danher's squad had to deal with this week. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, though, um, y'all better wake up because they could be staring zero three in the face. Okay, because they now take on they travel to Jordanton. Jordanton is a Dave Campbell is an official Dave Campbell's Texas football darling this year. They're mm-hmm. an official team that we're like, ooh, we really like them. Uh, Cole Andrews, their quarterback, uh, is 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 leading the way. They this ran is the. This is yeah. their year. They've got a bunch of three-year starters, a bunch of three-year starters. And they – I want to pull this up because I was doing a little bit of research before the show. Um, they – if I remember correctly um, – now I'm just scrounging for a box score. They were – they ran the ball really well against Natalia. They 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 were ground ground and pounding uh, this thing uh, when when they were on the ground and they 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 were able to do that in a big big way they were up they were up forty nine eighteen and half or at the end of three quarters they were absolutely just dominant uh, on the ground they had great offensive balance and and between Cole Andrews Jarrell Lilly this team is going to be problematic this team's really really good Cal Allen I think actually did play pretty well. Last week, they were just, I think they were just, I think they were outgunned, plain and simple. I think they had, I think they, they, they were just going up against a team that has too many weapons. Um, but they were, you know, the defense I thought played okay. Uh, Jeremiah Earls, their running back, had a great game. He's a really um, good player. I saw him twice last year in the playoffs. He's really good. He's really good. Um, and by the way, Cal Allen, as you mentioned, next week they get La Vega. Yes. So if they don't win this game, they're staring 0 3 in the face because La Vega's not going to go easy on them. 
Yeah. Um, this is a this is a really interesting game. I think I lean towards Cal Allen. I think that just a normal another another week where it's just a lot more normal things kind of shake off. I think I lean towards them, but this is a really interesting measuring stick for both these squads. Yeah, I think Cal Allen's going to be the favorite, even though they're on the road. I, th- I think it'll, it'll be good for Cal Allen to kind of get on the road and kind of have a routine this week. They haven't, mm-hmm. they didn't have a routine. The routine got, you know, for for great for understandable reasons, just got thrown out the window last week. I think they'll get back to a routine this week. Um, I, you know, getting on the road, get, take take get, getting on the bus, taking a road trip. I think that'll be good for them. I, um, I think they'll they'll take care of business. But I'm interested to see how Jordanton. I, I don't expect Jordanton to win this game. But I, mm-hmm. I I expect them to be competitive if they are the team that we think they are as a top ten type team in three in a regional contender in three A Division one. I. I think if they get blown out, I think we got to reevaluate either Jordanton or three A Division one Region four as a whole. Well, and 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 even furthermore, I'll even zoom in even further. I want to see how their defensive line does. Like plain and simple, I need them. I, I don't need them to go out there and just dominate Cal Allen because you know nobody does that up front. But what I need them to do is I need there to go out there and be competitive in the trenches. Because if Cal Allen's going out there and they're averaging nine yards pop, that's that is a big red flag for Jordanton down the road, knowing what they're going to be up against in in their region when they get in the playoffs. Agree. So, Agree. so I've got uh, Cal Allen and Jordanton. What is your? I, I think you just re- spoiled it. So uh, go ahead and tell me your third pick. Yep. So I'm going to uh, George West as Refurio at one and zero takes on George West at one and zero in a really interesting cross classification matchup down there on the coastal bend. I think George West is technically coastal bend. It's far enough down 37, I think, that you would consider it. We'll call it uh, coastal bend. But uh, you know, Refurio, you know, playing up is not an issue for them. They 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 drilled Divine last week. That's a four A school that they 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 took care of last week, 36 to seven. So I, you know, playing up is not going to be an issue for the Bobcats. But what the issue this week is, George West is really good, and we're talking about a George West team that we think could challenge Jordanton for regional supremacy in 3A Division One Region 4. Um, you know, George West just hammered West Oso last week, 38-3. to um, That offense, they kind of run a power spread offense, and they've got, you know, Devin Jackson, Michael Upton at quarter, uh, Devin Jackson at quarterback, Michael Upton at running back, kind of a one-two punch back there. And this is a George West team that, that you know, people, people don't, I don't think, you know, a lot of folks on the statewide level realize George West was 12-1 and last year. Yeah. This is a strong three A Division One squad, and and Refurio, I think, you know, I I, I think George West is not. A, I, I wouldn't say this is an upset. I think George West, I consider them the favorite in this game. Mm. I mm. think George, you know, at home, I think George West is 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 a favorite in this game. Let's see. The computer disagrees. The computer's got Refurio by eight, but I think that speaks to the fact that it's a one score game against a team in Refurio that I think the computer might have number one in two A Division mm-hmm. One. Um, uh, no, they got, yeah, they got number one. They got them uh, number poor Shiner. Shiner beat a team, beat Hallettsville forty four to thirty four, and they dropped two spots in the computer rankings. Brutal. It's, it's hard out. It's hard in, the, in these two AD one streets. I'll tell you, <laughs> it is. It's tough. But, but I think I think you're right, and 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 that is Refurio. Like in 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 many ways. Refurio is a team that likes to bully people. Like they they pri- like it, like there's Jason an intimidation Her- factor. I, I think when when a lot of these two A teams see the black and orange from Refurio pull up, yeah. I think it's fourteen nothing when Refurio gets off the bus. 
dude. Jason, well, and Jason Herring teaches his kids to play with swag. Like he yeah. teaches them to play with an edge, like not, not certainly not dirty or anything like that. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm saying is he teaches them to go in there and play with like reckless abandon and go in there to be physical. Like we're not here to play patty cake. We're here to knock some heads. Well, now that's what's interesting about this game because George West is just like they all, that's what they do. They are, mm-hmm. they're, they're here for the, they want a street fight. Yes. And, and, and here you're going to have two teams just throwing haymakers at one another. And I'm really interested to see like how Refurio like takes a punch. Like, again, like you mentioned, they, they beat divine last week and divine's a four, a team. And that's really, really impressive. Uh, but like divine, uh, D- 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 I, love you war horses but like this is not they're 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 not a, a particular contender you know what i no, mean no. The, george west is a contender mm-hmm. and george west mm-hmm. is a is a physical team that wants to knock your block off and yes. and i i'm i'm excited to see refurio take a punch yeah That's and, and i i think the key in this game is is george west has got to limit refurio's big plays Refugio is going to have the, the the speed advantage, the skill spots. I think what George West has got to do is control the clock with that running game and try to wear Refugio down in the fourth quarter. And that's where well, George West has the edge is up front. Well, and you're probably thinking, well, boy, advantage for George West because uh, Refugio is on the road. Uh, let me tell you about Refugio's schedule. <laughs> They're on the road every <laughs> week this year. They are going to be on the road the entire the entire year. They will not play at 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 uh, at, at oh, what's the name of their stadium. Jackson Jack Sportsman Bobcat Stadium. Yes. Hell yes. yeah. That's great. They will not play there. So they better get used to being on the road anyway. So that will not intimidate them. Uh, anyway, that's an excellent pick. Uh, I don't know how a game between two teams that played for a state championship, including one that won it, fell to the seventh overall pick, but I'm happy that it did. 7.30 p.m. Friday night at Jim Henderson Memorial Stadium in Pottsboro uh, as the Pottsboro Cardinals welcome in the Gunner Tigers. Um, oh, just just in a just a ho hum evening in Texas, probably right. A little a little old Grayson County sh- uh, showdown. Um, look, uh, okay. I, this is this is the weird moment where I have to say uh, that I respect all Texas high school football teams, and I think that you're all wonderful snowflakes, and 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 I love you to death. Uh, but neither Pottsboro or Gunner were particularly challenged last week. Um, Pottsboro <laughs> played Nevada Community. And kind of blew their doors off. Gunner played Van Alstine and kind of blew their doors off. Um, and now that was your warm up. And here's your test because both these teams are really, really, really sound. That's the yes. word I keep coming back to. And most especially, what I'm really interested in is when the pot when Pottsboro has the ball. Because Gunner, and you saw it last year, even just in the title game, you saw it against Canadian, you saw it in the title game, you saw all these high leverage games, their defense just does not make mistakes. They are. You got to beat them. You got to you gotta physically beat them. You have to physically beat them. You are not going to out scheme them. You're not going to trick them. They're, you're not going to get them to slip up. They are just so darn sound. Now going up against a Pottsboro team that we knew that we knew they're going to be solid, bringing back Braden Plyler. This running back Cooper Townsley was really good last week. They have a good amount of balance to this team. I think they're, you know, I think they're going to rely a little bit more on Plyler to run a little bit more this year. And they are very, very like they looked the part last week. That's a huge matchup whenever it's Pottsboro's uh, offense against Gunner's defense. The other side for me that I'm interested in, the guy that I'm interested in is Hudson Graham, uh, the quarterback for Gunner. And Gunner doesn't throw a ton. 
generally, generally speaking. They did last week. I think they I think Hudson Grimm's like 15 of 16. Like he was razor sharp last week. And I think that, you know, he was a sophomore last year and there's nothing to turn your nose up about anybody uh, who is a quarterback of a state championship squad as a sophomore. I, I would say largely he was a, he was a facilitator last year. Game manager. A game manager. manager, Yeah. That's not, that's not a knock. He made throws when he needed to, but he was a game manager. And I think that Jake Fizell wants him to take that step forward. And, And if they take if he takes that step forward, then that offense goes from being really annoying to stop to like unstoppable, may almost like if that would be yeah. If Gunner's out there throwing it around and, and making plays, you know, I know Ethan Sloan had a good game last week for them. If they're out there throwing it around, they're they're really tough yeah. to stop. Really- I'm real. I'm, I, this is the first big test for both of these teams, both of whom have legit state championship aspirations. Um, I think it's a great game. I think it's it's our first real glimpse at both of these teams. And I think that it could be, it could end up being a really, really fun matchup, especially if that Pottsboro offense versus Gunner defense um, matchup kind of shakes out the way we hope it does. I think the X factor in this game is Pottsboro wide receiver Titus Lyons. He's yep. he he made big catch after big catch in the playoffs last year. He's a matchup nightmare. He's a guy at six foot four and, and who's a high jumper and big time speed who can physically beat Gunner. He's a guy that I don't I don't think Gunner can scheme for. And I yeah. think he he's the X factor, and, if, and that he was you know Pottsboro last year, Hannah Gunner, their only loss of the year last year, and I think you got to think Pottsboro being the bigger school and and having that edge of beating Gunner last year may have the edge in this ball game. I th- I think that's right. Computer has Pottsboro by four, which yeah. uh, so on a neutral site they're saying it's a one point game, which yeah I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched, and I think it's going to be a great game. That's so good job, Computer, you got it. Um, all right, Matthew was your fourth pick, going out to East Texas where we have a team that has not played a game yet because of, thanks a lot, Hurricane Laura, San Augustine visiting mm-hmm. a Wascom team who uh, was pretty impressive last week in their win over Garrison. I guess it's a really fascinating matchup um, because I think I think Wascom, despite the fact they're playing a freshman at quarterback and running that flex bone offense, I think Wascom, there, there's a lot of folks in East Texas that are kind of buzzing about uh, Whitney Keeling's squad, and for good reason. Mm-hmm. They beat Garrison 47-6 to last week. Um, Cole Watson, their freshman quarterback. Uh, how about this? Throws for three touchdowns in his vars- first ever varsity start. Um, that's pretty good. Wasm has got like three or four different running backs with big time speed that they're going to work in. Um, this is a really, really sound and good Wasm squad. And, and I think it's a big test for St. Augustine, who, who didn't play last week. Their game got canceled against West Sabine. Um, in St. Augustine, you know, they've got Kavorian Barnes back, the UTSA commit. Um, at that level at 2A, when you have a Division One running back, you're going you're gonna to be able to make yards and win a lot of ball games. But there's a lot of questions outside of Barnes' return. They've only got three starters back on both sides of the ball. So this is a very young St. Augustine team that is going to be in Week 1 mode while Wascom is in Week 2 mode. So I think uh, all those factors combined, I think that gives the edge to uh, the Wildcats in this ballgame. Yeah, I think that I think that that is. Uh, I, I think I agree to you. The the the, the Wildcats there, Wasps probably a little bit of a favorite. Although I do think St. Augustine's like, I think they got a little something, and and, and like they're going to need a couple of young stars to kind of step up in 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 key key places, right? Because they are they're going to be young, and this is going to be a, a real a real start for them. What I what I'm interested in because you mentioned the Barnes boys. Um, are they brothers? 
I, I don't know their brothers, but you know, St. Augustine ain't that big, so I'm guessing exactly. they're probably, they're, they're they're probably, probably related. related. I, I would guess. What's interesting about this team is that like we talk about some teams where they lose the superstar, but a lot of the nuts and bolts are back. Um, this is kind of the reverse of that. In that they do have, like, they got Kavorian Barnes and Del Marquis Barnes, and they're going to be stars. But, like, the whole offensive line, I think, has to be replaced. Like, the whole defensive line has to be replaced. I mean, they lost, I mean, San Augustine lost 15 seniors. Like, for, I know that, like, there's probably, like, an Allen fan listening to that. I'd be like, okay, well, that sounds that sounds okay. Like, 15 seniors is, like, devastating to most 2A programs. And so yes. that's so so I want to see how the nuts and bolts kind of coalesce around the Barnes boys because if they, if they do and the offensive line comes up and the front seven starts looking good then like San Augustine's right back in that mix and and Marty Murray's going to have his boys back in another semifinal. But if they struggle to kind of fill those pieces then it kind of doesn't matter what kind of stars you have. And and that's what's going to be really interesting in this in this early early season tussle. So yeah, I I think that's a cool. Okay. Um, I'll be definitely, wa- definitely watching that game. I'm, I'm keeping an eye. I want to see, you know, I want to see, you know, I don't expect St. Augustine to win, but I think if they can keep it close, it bodes well for, for St. Augustine as a, you know, continuing their dominance. I think you're right. Okay. I want to pull up something else because I need to make sure I get this right because this is, this is worthy of being, uh, having a, a good intro. So you're listening to live coverage of me looking up how to do an intro of this game. All right, Matthew, let's go to Beaver Stadium in Fall City, Texas, because sometimes, Matthew, you just need a stinking Polish bowl. That's right. It's Fall City. Polish bowl. It's Poth. It's going down for the 63rd time Friday night at Beaver Stadium as the Fall City Beavers and the Poth Pirates Lockhorns, the Polish Bowl in Falls City, um, and this is you know both teams. Three Rivers looked really good. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Fall City in their game win over Three Rivers looked really good. Uh, Jackson Pipes went nuts. He ran for 163 and two touchdowns. Grant Jindrish, uh ran for uh, 101 yards. They uh, they got a pick six from Darren Lopez. I mean, life's good. Life's good for Fall City. Uh, of course, uh, remember they are they do uh, uh, they have a they have a new coach right. Yeah, Mark Kerhoff returns yeah. to Fall City. The the return of the king. Uh, Mark, yes. Mark Kerhoff is back. So um, they are now taking on a Poth team who, I mean, they just flat out dismantled Lytle last week, 60 yes. to 7. And Pretty impressive this, stuff for the Pirates. Oh my gosh, they looked they looked every bit the part uh, of 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 a team ready for for prime time and and this is a team what I'm what I'm really excited about is Poth I think matches up pretty well with Fall City especially up front. You know, not only by the way are they um they they are the they're the bigger school, right? Yeah, Poth is 3AD2 and Fall yeah. City's 2AD2. Yeah, so they're the bigger school, so they're going to have the depth advantage, but they're also going to have a size advantage, I think, as well, which is something that basically in almost every one of Fall City's games, like against uh, teams in their weight class, they're not going to struggle against, like they're going to be one of the bigger teams. 
Uh, and so that's going to be an interesting, an interesting kind of thing is, is that is Poth able to, to win at the line of scrimmage? If they do, then they're going to be feeling pretty good about things, but Cooper Khan, they're, they're, they're kind of do it all star is, is a guy to keep an eye on uh, fall city. Of course they do what they do. They run that wing T and it's just, it's a, it's just not fun to play against uh, which, you know, Jackson pipes is now a junior. He's, he's just, he's going to be a star for them uh, beyond that. Look like, what I think is going to be interesting is like the scene at this game, and and oh, yeah. obviously there's there's going to be uh, you know limited limited fans uh, they, 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 with sixteen seventy two as the capacity. That means that they can only have you know around nine hundred uh, eight thirty six rather in their uh, in the stadium, but they will be eight hundred and thirty six like people who are there for like uh, are are there are there to <clears throat> yell not only for their team but at the other team. <laughs> Yeah, they'll be 836, uh, give or take, uh, very, very invested fans of this ball game. Fall yeah. City's got a, got a neat little stadium, and maybe they'll bring in some temporary bleachers or something to maybe bring a few more fans in because it'll be a, it'll be, it'll be, it, it's big. It's 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 a huge game for those two communities, and you know, Poth really kind of dominated last year in this game. They blew out Fall City. I think Fall City's gonna, they hadn't forgotten that. I can guarantee you that these two towns are literally about about eight miles apart on highway 181. And I, I think Falls city is going to be uh, very fired up for this game to uh, avenge last year's sour taste. Yes. So there it is. That is my fifth and final pick. I like Falls city and both the Polish bowl. What is your fifth and final pick? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I've kind of gone back and forth because there's, you know, we have the kraut bowl um, we, in, we in Munster and Lindsay, but I'm not talking about the kraut bowl, even though I think that's me a heck of a ball game on highway 82. Um, I'm going to go, we're going to talk, we talked about Comanche a little bit earlier. I'm going to talk about Brady and Comanche. Um, this is, this is borderline hipstery. It's borderline hipster, but I really like this game because both teams were so impressive last week. Um, Mm -hmm. Brady, uh, as we talked about earlier, annihilated San Angelo TLC 81 to eight. Um, you know, you look at up and down their lineup and they had guys who had huge numbers last week, but you know, the, the, the difference maker, the guy who stood out to me was quarterback cutter Johnson. Uh, five total touchdowns, three three passing, two rushing, two hundred ten yards passing. Um, he was kind of the the main cog for the Bulldogs going up against that Comanche defense that pitched a shutout against Mason, fourteen to nothing last weekend. And you can say what you want, Mason maybe a little down this year. They were down last year, but you know shutting out Mason and that and that run oriented offense is hard to do. And Comanche got it done last week. So you've got a Comanche team that pitched a shutout last week against Brady, who scored 81 points last week. I love the matchup. Um, you know, Comanche's offense, they're, they're, they're very run-oriented. They're, they're going to they're gonna run the ball. They're going to try to control the clock, keep, keep the ball off the field, keep, keep the defense off the field and allow their offense to kind of dictate the tempo, where I think Brady's going to want to get a little more up, up and down the field, try to lure Comanche into a shootout. Um, the thing is, is, is I think we know what Comanche is already. I, I think we've got a good vibe for what the Indians are bringing to the table because of their win last week and the opponent they played. I'm not so sure about Brady. Even though they mm-hmm. blew somebody out, they, they blew out a bad team. So I don't know really what we have. And so I'm going to be interested to see, because Comanche, make no mistake about it, they are going to punch Brady in the mouth. They are going to yes. come out, they're going to be physical at Brady, and they are, they're, they're, gonna, they're you know, at home, they're, they're ready to go. And I, I, I don't know if Brady's going to be able to take that punch um, here early on in the season. Um, against a Comanche team that I think is is starting, you know, starting to show they can be a, a real sleeper team in their in their district. Uh, yeah, I like that game a lot. 
And I think that they are, I think that's a game certainly to keep an eye on. I think that you're going to see, um, I think you're going to see a, a Brady team that I think, you know, they're probably going to be, there's, there's going to be some talk about them this week, you know, about, you know, they, they, whenever you go out there, you put up that, that kind of performance, people are going to talk about you. Well, here's a prove it game. You know what I mean? Like you go mm-hmm. out there and you do something like that to a team that just shut out Mason. Then like, okay, let's talk. Some talk. Yeah. Uh huh. Exactly. Let's talk about them. This is a real prove-it game for them. So uh, there it is. That's our draft. Uh, I took Pleasant Grove, Argyle, Hamlin, Holly, Cal Allen, Jordanton, Pottsboro, Gunner, and Fall City Poth. Step took Connolly, La Vega, Canadian, Iowa Park, Refurio, George West, St. Augustine, Wascom, and Brady Comanche. I will graciously let Matt Step issue his hipster game of the week first. All right. I'm going out to East Texas for my hipster game. As the 0-1 Kaufman Lions are visiting the Tyler Chapel Hill Bulldogs, who are 1-0. And And the reason Mm -hmm. why I like this game is because, you know, Kaufman, you know, I, I, you know, put up a good fight against Lindale last week. You know, they got down early and and, and rallied late and made it close, lost uh, 32-27. While, uh, you know, Jeff Rudin's Chapel Hill Bulldogs absolutely blew away Splendora um, in their season opener. I think, this game is going to give us a good idea if because I think Chapel Hill is on the cusp of, of of being pretty good. They're really young and they've got some really exciting young talent in the pipeline. But if they can knock off this Kaufman team, uh, a team that their their district rival Lindale had trouble with last week, I think that's that gives us a good idea of of Tyler Chapel Hill kind of quote unquote being back. You know, Chapel Hill's been down the last few years. They haven't really you know had a strong team uh, in about four or five years now. You know, they won a state championship in the not-so-distant past when Matthew mm-hmm. Tucker was playing running back for him. Um, mm-hmm. So I think this is the kind of game where I think this is the real measuring stick game for Chapel Hill to see if Jeff Reardon has truly brought this program uh, back to being a playoff contender. Um, so I'm really excited to see this game. I think Kaufman's a good team dropping down from 5A. They're, they're expected to be a playoff team. This is the kind of game where if you are back if, if in your Chapel Hill and you, you're back being, being that kind of team that you think they can, you win this ballgame at home. Yeah, I, you know, that was a um, uh, Reardon and Schultz were in my texts last week because we did because I didn't pick their game. Oh, yeah. um, and he, and they were just like they were both trying to sandbag their way into um, into, a, a you know, come on. Why? Why they would you want some? Why? They wanted some bulletin board material. Yeah, they're they? like, they're no, please, please, please pick the other team. Like we stink. We're not going to be any good. And and I'm like, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to give you guys that. uh uh, I'm, I'm not going to help you guys out with that, but um, in any case, that was uh, that was something that I am uh, very interested in seeing. Uh, it, I, I, you know, Chapel Hill came out and looked awesome offensively, and then Kaufman I think played a tougher game, but that's going to be something that I think is going to be very interesting to see how that one shakes out. Uh, kind of a, a bit of a do over in week one, so uh, that's a good one. All right, my hipster game. That's what I want. Yeah, this is what I want. Um, it's a really, really strong week in Central Texas. It is. Um, it's a it's a great week in Central Texas. Uh, we didn't even mention Yo Belleville. We didn't even mention Grandview. Grandview Salado, watch out. Salado made some, Salado's a team to keep an eye on for sure. They looked great. Uh, but Matt Step, I. I'm going to take you to Eagle Stadium in Hillsboro as the 1-0 Hillsboro Eagles welcome in the 1-0 Crumb Bobcats 
who very quietly last week snapped a 26-game losing streak. Yes, congrats uh, over there to uh, yeah, they, oh, Robbie Clark. Robbie Clark's Robbie, head coach. Of, I was talking, Robbie Clark. head coach at Crum. Yeah, Robbie Clark. Yeah. Um, they were, they, they came out and they, they came out there, snapped a 26 game losing streak along with, uh, Queen City. Queen City also snapped a 26 game losing streak. Congratulations to them too. Um, big doings there in week one, but now they draw a Hillsborough team that, um, that went out and, and they got a week one win. They beat down, they beat Anna 21 to 14. And these, this is a game that I, I would need to look at the last time that either Crum or Hillsborough was two and zero. Um, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's probably been a while for both. both. Yeah, for both. Uh, you know, Crum last week looked really good. Uh, their their quarterback Kagan Clark had a nice game. They got a good. They got three touchdowns on the ground from from Trey Cook, their running back. Uh, this is a step up in competition. They played Paris North Lamar last week. This is a step up in competition uh, against Hillsborough. Hillsborough's team that that came out and 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 like I said, they they used defense to get by Anna. Uh, I think both of these teams, look, I'm, I'm going to be entirely honest. We don't anticipate either of these teams particularly contending for uh, district championships. Uh, I think that Crum is uh, Crum is in a rebuild. I think that they would admit that. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a Crum team that we do think, uh, you know, if you squint, they can. it's going to be them or Van Alstine to get into the playoffs. Yes, somebody's right? got to get in. It's going to be one somebody's of the two. Right, and Hillsborough, Hillsborough is probably probably a playoff team as well. Although they are all in different, they're in different regions. This is an interesting matchup, and and I want to see can the Crum offense, which exploded last week against North Lamar, go up against this Hillsborough defense that will look really solid against Anna in Week One. Uh, I like both these. I like both these games. The computer has Hillsborough by nine. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. And uh, I would need to look up the last time Crum uh, or Hillsborough was two and zero, but it's been a minute, and it'll be cool to see both either one of those teams at two and zero. So that is my hipster game. Is uh, I'm going to go with that's Crum. very hipster. You you, you out hipster me this week for sure. Uh, yeah, you got you you know hip- I went a little like, more mainstream this week. But you, I was going to say, well, what you did was you ended up like transposing your fifth pick and a hipster pick. You yeah, know, because Brady Comanche probably could be considered hipster for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, all right, Matthew, tell me about your plan this week. All right. So Thursday night I am. So there's only four. So there's four games in the entire state that are Thursday night this week. Um, I think I can get it off the top of my head. If you want to watch a Thursday game, you've got um, Odessa Compass at Ropes. Ooh, <laughs> that's Thursday. <laughs> Ropes, a new a new eleven man school. They moved up from six man. Yes, they did. Uh, they were they they there was a minute there where they were really good at, at yeah. six man football. Ropes. I will give you. I will send you twenty two dollars to go out there and, and, and cover that game. <laughs> so Ropes is Ropes is out by Lubbock. That's a long way away. Is, um, yeah. Bartlett at Ranger, which I strongly considered that game because I could have went to Mary's and got chicken fried steak. Uh, I have Bart- I have driven through Ranger a number of times. It yes. is lovely. Um, then there is Hughes Springs at Harmony, which is not a bad East Texas game. I think it's, I think that's the East Texas TV game this week. Um, that's gotta I, be the, that's yeah. gotta be the best game of the week, right? And Thursday. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. And then, uh, I'm going to Wichita Falls to watch mm-hmm. Anna take on Wichita Falls Hershey, um, Thursday night at Memorial stadium. So, um, big bounce back week for Hershey. Haven't been to Wichita Falls in a while. I'm going to go visit coach Wiley and check out, um, the Hershey Huskies, uh, Thursday night. Uh, mm-hmm. Friday, I'm going. I'm gonna say local Friday. I'm going down to Midlothian to watch a very good 4A D1 game as Lindale 
takes on Midlothian Heritage in a top 10 matchup, number nine versus number 10 in the latest uh, DCTF rankings. Really good measuring stick for both these teams. I almost took that game. That's like, that's like, right. That's like also receiving votes in my, in my, on my draft board. That was, uh, that's a good, that's a fun game. Yeah. Really good. Really interested to see these two teams. And just like I said, just kind of see these two measure themselves against teams who I think are in their own weight class. Um, and then Saturday, I am headed to East Texas for a showdown in Overton. I as, cannot believe you. As Burkeville visits the Overton Mustangs in a game that I'm not sure why is Saturday evening at 6 o'clock. But, hey, you schedule a random weird Saturday game, there's a good chance that Matt Stepp shows up. And right, so I guess, wanna... guess what, Overton, Texas? Matt Stepp okay. is showing up Saturday. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, this is not, to, I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a reporter and I'm reporting facts. Yes. I have our computer rankings up. Burkeville, there are 93 teams in 2A Division Two. Okay. 93 teams. Burkeville is ranked 78th and they are a 15 point favorite over number 93 Overton. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's two teams that are that, are, that don't have a lot of aspirations. In, in fact, when I called for credentials, the the superintendent I think thought he was like, he goes, "You want to come see us?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he was Why like, not? He was like, "Okay, I'll just kind of just show your pass. We don't have a lot of media that comes to our game." Oh no! Well, then that makes it even better. It makes it even yeah. better. By the way, while I'm looking at this, you do have an opportunity Thursday night. If you go to Ranger, that is number eighty-eight versus ninety-one. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have the bottom of two A Division Two pretty much pretty well covered. Somebody please stream <laughs> Ranger and Bartlett. I will live tweet Ranger and Bartlett if somebody now, live tweet live streams it. Would you like to um uh, repeat our conversation from Saturday when I called you and told you which game I was going to? Do you remember that? <sighs> I, I oh yes yes yeah. uh, I believe the conversation went something like this Matt Step I'm gonna go see Overton and Burkeville Greg Tepper you have an illness Matt Step thank you <laughs> pretty yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how it went <laughs> it's so. uh well we will be uh, that's what I'm, makes Dave Campbell's Texas football special because God. we're gonna cover the games that. You- so you don't have to. You really, you really do. Like it's it. I, I've long thought that like describing, like my job is is hard to describe to people. My job is very hard to describe to people, like especially people who don't cover high school football or don't know about high school football in Texas. Your job is completely indecipherable to people who like don't know about high school football. It's just I, 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 I man of Texas. I don't know. Just you know statewide friend i don't know i don't don't really know what how to describe it myself either but boy i I, guess i'm glad i'm glad uh dave campbell's uh you know you know gives me credentials and lets me come to the games so we we do man we will let you uh we'll let you go so uh if you're interested i guess i can spill the beans on fox sports southwest our spotlight games are going to be we're going to have reporter at sarah merrifield's going to be at argyle pleasant grove she got she got a good one katie katie engelson's going to canadian iowa park that is some very good job beautiful stadium canadian good beautiful stadium up there Paige schnorbach's going to be at midland greenwood and brownwood midland greenwood looked really good uh, against strong Estacado. Opener. Strong opener for them. That defense looked good. Uh, Ashley Pickle gets to go to Gunner and Pottsboro. All right, um, Pickle. 
Whitley Pleasant will be at Lindale and Midlothian Heritage. Oh, okay. Okay. She'll be joining Pretty me. Good. You should see Whitley. And then Austin Ivan will be at Graham and Springtown. You want to talk about Springtown needing to bounce back. But yeah. we talked with Kenny Davidson today, and I got to tell you, Graham might have a little something, man. They're gonna be good. They're gonna be really good. They're they're, they're a team with a lot of experience. So they're they're, they're a player in Region One, uh, Division Two, and Four A. So there you go. We've gone for like an hour and twelve minutes because you know why not? Yeah, That's why gonna not? do it for us. Uh, thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love you very much. Please tell your friends and uh, yeah, I guess rate and subscribe and comment on this podcast. I don't know. I don't know what you're supposed to do buy, with premium. Buy, buy a subscription for your friend who has a birthday coming up. Yeah, do that. That would be really good. Uh, yeah. Step, thanks for your courage. Thank you. See you next time on Tevin Step.